Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode number 34. This is the podcast where we round up some recent news items from the world of podcasting, stuff that wasn't quite enough on its own to cover it on the podcasternews.com blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am with... Jen Thorpe. And the first item we have on our list for this show is titled Amazon Wants People to Pay for Podcasts by Joshua Brewstein on Bloomberg. And I think most people have probably heard about this by now, and I'm sure we've talked about it a little bit on the show before. But Audible, which is essentially an Amazon service, is getting ready to launch its own subscription-based service of what you could arguably call podcasts. They are audio shows specifically made for Audible. And again, you get them through an Audible subscription. They're not available you know, to download through iTunes or Stitcher or some other way. So it's exclusive so content is what they're selling you. It's more, it's more really of a subs- yeah, subscription-based kind of premium content type thing, more so than we might call it a tr- traditional podcast. And while I guess we can uh, argue about those semantics, it really makes no difference. And, uh, Jen, what are your thoughts uh, about this article? Well, the first thing I thought was the title, Amazon Wants People to Pay for Podcasts. That's kind of provocative, you know, because we think of podcasts as something that you go to iTunes and download for free or from various other sources for free. You know, you can listen to them on SoundCloud for free, you know, all these other things. And it's generally, you know, from the beginning of podcasting, you can listen to these for free. You can download them for free. You can download them again if you want. You can stick them on your phone, whatever you want to do. But no, Amazon wants to charge you money for that. I mean, it sounded very provocative, this title, you know. Um, So with that, I thought it was just an interesting view because it already kind of feels as though perhaps the writer... Or maybe the writer is mimicking other people's uh, thoughts on this. It, it comes across negative, you know? Yeah. Like, how dare you charge us for podcasting that should be free, you know? Um, now, the article itself is not written in that tone exactly, no. but the title feels like it. Now, maybe this is just clickbait, you know? Mm, <laughs> but the article's a good article anyway, um, so I included it in here. But, um, yeah, it's it's exclusive content, which a lot of things are going towards like you know netflix has exclusive content you can't watch anywhere else and this is just an audio version of that with audible which is all their audio books you know um so i think that works now i'm not clear on if you bought if you buy an audible subscription does that mean you now have access to these yeah it does say in this article that if you have an active audible subscription you automatically get access to this stuff. So really what Audible is doing is they're creating this as kind of an incentive, something extra. So if you are maybe right at this moment not interested in listening to an audiobook or whatever the case is, you would be able to click over to this other content and listen to it. And of course, the name of the game for pretty much every service platform, what have you these days, is content, and everybody wants more. So this is just another way for them to try and attract 
subscribers and probably keep some who might be like, well, I really don't want to continue to listen to audiobooks for X amount of time, but oh, look at, there's these quote-unquote podcasts on here. And again, this is kind of the move as of late for a lot of these types of platforms. They want to add additional content. And the other thing is they want to keep you on their their app for as long as they can. And this is why we're seeing these things like Spotify is adding some podcasts and Pandora has done the same because they don't want you to click off from their music streaming when you want to listen to something that's not music. And Audible is essentially trying to to do the same thing. And there is some interesting stuff in here. It says in the article, Audible is loath to compare itself to other podcasting companies. It won't even use the word podcast to describe channels, which is what it's uh, referring to its service. So even though we're sort of talking about this generically as podcasts, and I said, well, it's not really podcasting, even they're admitting that it's not. But of course, they're using a term that would be familiar to people who already consume podcasts, at least in these articles and some of the marketing, to try and get those people interested if they're not already subscribing to Audible. Right, and this could be really good for Audible because I know, like, Audible is one of the most common uh, sponsors of podcasts, you know? You get the little ad that, you know, the host reads saying, hey, go get an Audible subscription and you get a free trial and all that stuff. And I know you all have heard that before, probably a lot. And I suspect every time Audible goes to a new podcast that, you know, if if it's a podcast that has a group of people listening to it that don't listen to any of the other podcasts that Audible has been connected with, maybe Audible will pick up a couple more customers, you know. But other than that, it's really hit its saturation point. Yeah. You know, at this point now, there's some podcasts that have been, you know, that have, Audible has been a sponsor of, so to speak, for years. And if they've got the same audience, even if they've grown their audience, there's a group of people who just don't want to listen to audiobooks. There's a group of people who went in, tried it, and went, eh, this is really not my thing. And then there's another group who's gone in, and they love it, and they're staying. But this doesn't really leave a lot of growth for Audible as far as that. But if you add these channels, right, that are not podcasts, but kind of, um, maybe that would attract new people who have decided, oh, there's really no audiobooks in Audible that I happen to like, or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. So what's the next item on the list? Okay, so the next item on the list is from Fortune, and it's written by Valentina Zara. The title of this article is The Top Woman in Radio Says Podcasting Needs More Women. And this is an interview that was done uh, with uh, New York Public Radio CEO Laura Walker. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she's the woman they're referring to with Top Woman in Radio. That would be her. And so there's an interview with her and it goes into like some of, you know, other things like about her life and her job. But um, somewhere in here, they uh, ask her about Work It. W-E-R-K-I-T, which Mm -hmm. I actually did write about on the uh, Podcaster News site if you want to check out a little bit about that. It's in there somewhere. Um, But it's WNYC's annual festival for women in podcasting. Yeah. Okay. So all of the hosts are women. 
As far, I think so. I think they're all women. Um, yes, not a hundred percent clear on if all of the attendees are women. I would assume yes. it would be mostly women. If not, yes. you know, I would think so. This is not a uh, conference that you could just buy a ticket to and go. You do no. need to apply, and they have a limited amount of you know space available, as do most things. So you know, it's that kind of thing, and it's it's specifically geared for women in podcasting. And the interviewer, uh, the the author who I named earlier, uh, was you know asking uh, the top women in podcasting about work it. And some of the stuff that, you know, came out, she said that, um, well, just I'm going to just read this part from the article. Uh, Work It came out because there had been a study published in 2013 that looked at the top 100 podcasts and looked at how many are hosted by women and how many are hosted by men. 80% were hosted by all men and 10% were men and women and 10% were only women. I thought, this is just not right. We need to do something about it. And so that's kind of how Work It got started. Yeah. To kind of, you know, be a space for women in podcasting where they could conference and learn from each other and all of this stuff. And, um, and the notion of work it, the main notion is women need to have their own voices and that, you know, work it should be and podcasting should be the medium that gets to 50-50 in terms of gender ratio the fastest. Because we do have a problem with women in tech where you've got mostly men and very few women still yeah. today, which seems so strange, you know, it should have shifted by now and yet it hasn't for a myriad of reasons that could take up a whole podcast on its own. So um, that's what she's saying. We need more women. And one of the ways she's doing it is by, you know, the Work It podcast that's encouraging women to make their own podcasts and also providing resources and mentors and, you know, things like that, a conference where they can feel safe at, you know, that kind of thing and not be like shouted down by all the men at the majority of, you know, podcasting and other tech conference type things, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, she also says the other thing you can do is listen to women's podcasts, right? Download them, you know, send them comments, you know, all that kind of thing that you would do anyway. But, you know, if you're, you know, take a look through all the podcasts that you are currently subscribed to and just kind of see like how many women are in there. You know, if you need to up the ratio, now's the time to do it, you know, right. to kind of, you know, hear, you know, different voices. And she also says that she thinks that, you know, women take a different approach to podcasting than, than men do obviously in general, but she's saying that, you know, women are natural storytellers and aren't fearful of mixing the personal and the factual. Right. And she gives an example, the uh, only human podcast by Mary Harris, where it's a mix of those kinds of things. Um, you know, telling a story, mixing a story with the science behind whatever they're talking about. And I think that's, that's truer for women than, than for men. You know, yeah, it's a different way of doing it. It's kind of like saying, here's the thing I'm talking about. And this is why it personally matters to me. And here's more about the thing I'm talking about in a way that weaves in sort of, um, you know, women's voices in a way you don't hear from podcasts that are done by men. So if the top woman in pod in radio says podcasting needs more women, I'm going to believe her. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think she's she's pretty aware of these kinds of things. Um, I've written about the Work It Festival. I'm not able to attend this year. Maybe someday. Don't know. Uh, depends on a lot of factors. But well, um, I'll tell you, know. you I'll mm -hmm. tell you what I know about this Work It. And mm -hmm. of course, everything I know is secondhand. And first off, do, should there be more women in podcasting? Of course, there should. I completely agree with that. And I heard on the She Podcasts podcast that one of the, the two She Podcasters, uh, Jessica Kupferman, she actually was able to attend the Work It Festival oh, good, this year. Good. Uh, it was actually her, her co-host, Elsie Escobar, that was 
invited to attend, but Elsie couldn't make it, so uh, Jessica was able to go in her place. That seems fair, and you know. The way that Jessica described it was it was very focused on journalism type stuff. So if you're doing a podcast like you and I are doing, or I would suspect most people who are listening to this are doing, I'm sure that there would be some useful stuff in a conference like that. But Jessica said after day one, uh, she didn't come back. It's a two-day festival, Mm -hmm. and she just looked at all the panels that were happening on day two, and she said, you know what, as essentially an independent podcaster versus, say, someone who's working for a large journalistic media company, none of this stuff is really relevant to me. So Now, when did, did she go to the most recent one? Yes. Okay. And I'm not trying to knock the work at Festival or anyone that was there or its existence or anything like that. My, my point is just to say that, uh, Jen, even if you had the opportunity to go, I, I don't know how much you'd get out of it actually yourself. And the other thing I want to mention here is this study that talks about how 80% of the top 100 mm-hmm. shows are, are hosted by all men. Right. Well, that's fine. But I think looking at you know 100 shows of the roughly 200,000 shows that are active, I believe that's the current number. It's somewhere between, uh, I think, 150 and 200,000 that are active. There's more that are indexed, but those are the ones that are considered active. That's a pretty small number. And I know Rob Walsh from Libsyn has done these very unscientific surveys of the information that he has access to through Libsyn. And I know his number for the difference between male and female podcasters is higher than 10%. Now, when was his and done? He's done it within the last year. Okay, so that means two? there's been improvement since the 2013 study that's mentioned well, in this article. yeah, there's been improvement, but also... So that's good. But also, I, I just want to say, and I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to be defensive and say that, no, we don't need to worry about more women in podcasting because there's enough. I'm just saying that what uh, Ms. Walker is working off of here is, for her statistic, I mean, it's it's informative, but I also think it's a smaller sample because these kind of people that come from the East Coast media thing when they talk about podcasting they're talking about they're they're usually almost always talking about a very small segment of the actual number of people who are podcasting and what I guess what I'm trying to say is yes absolutely we need more women in podcasting but I don't think this stat from 2013 that looked at 100 shows is entirely reflective of everything happening in the podcasting space at large. Well, the other thing to consider is she was asked specifically what sparked the idea for the Work It Festival. Yeah. Okay? So that's what sparked it. Right. Right? I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with having something like that and going, well, there's a need here. Sure. You know? I agree. There's an imbalance. What can we do to fix that? You yeah. know? I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Now, she's, she never said that this is the only, you know... A study you should look at, and, no, you know, that, but, no. you know, she's talking about something that happened in the past, possibly around 2013, when that study may have come out, you know what I mean, or thereabout. So, I mean, mm-hmm. she's not saying only this study. She's saying this is what sparked the idea for the Work It Festival, yeah. you know, so that's something to think about as well. Um, 
But yeah, I would love to see there be more women in podcasting. Sure. Especially in podcasting that has to do with tech or geek stuff or gaming or these kinds of things where it feels to me, I don't have a study behind me or anything, but it feels to me like there are more men doing those than women. Yeah. You know, so now's the time to start changing things. And, you know, I've always heard this... um, this other study I don't have a link to right now, but uh, there was a study done, I think, in a college. I don't know how big the study was, but they had a, a classroom full of men and women, and they had the teacher do their you know, regular you know, talk on whatever the class was about. And then at the end, they asked all of the students who were adults to... Uh, comment in, on a, like a little card if you thought you know that more men were speaking than women or spent more time speaking than women if you thought it was more women speaking than than men speaking or if you thought it was pretty much equal and they at the same time they were filming all of this so they could you know or at least at least recording it audibly so you could tell how many speakers there were and how long they spoke and what they noticed is that um women tend to judge it pretty accurately as to what occurred but for mm-hmm. some reason, the men in the groups, and this has been, I, I, I believe it's been repeated, but the men in the groups felt that if women were speaking about 15% of the time and men were speaking the rest of the time, that they perceived this as being 50-50. Yeah. So if women were speaking more than 15% of the time, they perceived that as, oh, too many women are speaking. You know? So you need these studies that say, like, okay, there, there really aren't as many women's voices in podcasting as there are men's, let's have this balance. Surely there are plenty of women out there that can do a podcast that haven't yet. You know? Anyway. Yeah, I was trying to, uh, while, while you were uh, speaking, I was trying to kind of survey my own podcast subscriptions. And if I did the math here accurately, I'm subscribed to a little over 30 shows. Nine of them have a woman, have either... Only women hosts, or at least a woman co-host. So I'm at about 29 out of 30. It's not quite 30% for for mine. So I could definitely stand to hear some voices that uh, weren't just more or less white dudes like me. Right. And with mine, I had um, an issue with my computer that wiped out all of my iTunes at one yeah. point and i have not really gone back to subscribe to podcast yet since that occurred i've been just trying to see like you know what do i still have and where do i have backups and all that kind of thing um so i'm subscribed to one show right now and it is a star trek podcast and i believe it's a male host but it's one show so this is a very small ratio well, i'm intending yeah, to I add mean... more i just haven't done <laughs> it yet and i had so many things i was subscribed to before this crash so yeah. Um, it's just one of those things, but you know, I'm definitely looking for shows that are more diverse than maybe what I might've been listening to before, which probably were a lot of white dudes actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the next thing on our list here is an article called how to start your own podcast without any experience by K Thor Jensen on geek. Is that geek.com? Uh, yes it it is. is. All Mm -hmm. right. Well, the article is pretty self-explanatory, and I will say that you know I read through this, and overall I was pretty happy with it as a sort of overview where to start if you're just starting out kind of podcast thing because it's really difficult to summarize everything 
you know, in in even a a mildly succinct way when you're kind of saying, okay, you want to start a podcast, you have no experience in podcasting, here's everything you need. And it's such such a lot of information, which is a weird way to, to phrase that. But um, I feel like uh, this guy here, Thor Jensen, which there, there's a name I'd like to just be able to say more often. <laughs> we'll have to I, find more of his work for the yeah, show. <laughs> yeah. I think he's I think he's done a pretty good job. I really didn't disagree with anything that he had to say here and I think he approaches everything from a, a reasonable perspective and while sure if I were going to write this article there's some things I'd do differently I think he hits all the major topics pretty much in the right place. Yeah, and he breaks it down into little segments so mm-hmm. it doesn't overwhelm someone who truly is new to podcasting and just wants to get started. And he's got some, you know, points in here you don't really think about when you're a brand new podcaster, like, you know, pick a good name. Yeah. You know, it helps. <laughs> that like maybe has some reflection on what your show is about, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a catchy and clever name. He says the logo needs to be catchy and clever as well. Uh, he, he suggests you can get you can go on Fiverr and have someone do a logo for five bucks. Yeah, you know, it's something you don't that's think about. One, you yeah, know, sure. um, he does a little overview of like just a basic kind of generic sort of this is the tech you need sort of kind of in this ballpark. Um, talks about you know editing is important these kinds of things, and uh, points out that you know most podcasts don't make money. So yeah. don't be disappointed if it doesn't become, you know, your, yeah, well, he says in here, um, sort of towards the bottom, there's this lovely photo of stacks of money and then yeah. it says, um, yeah, he says most podcasts aren't profitable endeavors, but there are some things you can do to monetize your time a little bit. So he's trying to make it clear to the brand new podcaster. This is not a get rich quick kind of, you know, endeavor to, to think yeah. about. Uh, he gives him some, you know, simple things like, you know, um, sell T-shirts and you know, yeah, sure, uh, stuff like that. Um, different things like that. But you know, it's a little bit in, of this, a little bit of that, and it's kind of done in a very general way, mm-hmm. so that somebody who's brand new to this, who wants to start a podcast, could look at this and kind of go, "Okay, I've got the main idea, and I think I can get started from this without having like." I think one of the things that put people off from podcasting is when you get one of these lists that says, okay, you need this type of gear specifically. It doesn't really explain yeah. why, yeah. you know, and that that would be overwhelming for someone new. So I thought this was a good one for anyone new out there that wanted to start a podcast. Yeah. And kind of dovetailing with this, we have a, a sort of a similar titled article, how to start your own podcast tech talk with Mark Marin. This is by Josh Rosenberg on spin. And, it's not as nuts and bolts-ish as Thor's article is, but it just kind of talks about some of the technology that uh, and the equipment and the process Mark Marin goes through to create WTF. And I again, I didn't really have any problem with this. I think everything that's talked about in here is is fine. I really don't think anyone who's just starting a show today should necessarily. Uh, copy Marin setup point for point. I mean, his show sounds good. It and does. You could yes. do. You could definitely do worse than some of the equipment that's talked about here. Uh, sure, SM7B mics and uh, Scarlett uh, 2i2 preamp. That's all good stuff. 
But I think if you're just starting out, you could uh, probably save yourself some money and, you know, uh, do do fine. But um, the there, there's there's really only two two comments that I had in relation to this. <laughs> uh, they they really focus on hardware. It's a lot about microphones exactly. and all that. And then in the last uh, sentence, it says, um, "Once it's all done, it's as easy as uploading to SoundCloud slash iTunes, sending out an email blast, and you know hitting up social media." And Marin says he really likes Twitter. And I'm kind of looking at that, going, "Well." No, it's actually not as easy as uploading to SoundCloud slash iTunes because, for one thing, I know Marin hosts on Libsyn, so while his show may be on SoundCloud, certainly it's in iTunes, no one actually uploads directly to iTunes, and there's a few more steps involved other than, you know, you just press save right, in but your see, audio I don't... recorder of choice, and then you move a file into a thing, and you're all done. And I know that Marin has a producer. I believe yes. his first name is Brandon. I don't recall his last name. I can't remember his last name either. I think and the first name I'm, might be right. I'm sure that he handles a lot of the, the post-show kind of stuff, and that's really kind of boring stuff anyway. But I just feel like if we're talking about how to start a podcast, I'd like a little more explanation. I mean, even if it just said we upload the file to to Libsyn as our publishing platform and then it gets sent to SoundCloud, iTunes, and everywhere else, that would at least be a a nice extra step. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of glossed over at the end. But overall, you know, a nice article. and, And if you're curious as to what Marin's actual setup and process is. You'll learn some stuff here. And I kind of feel like this version of how to start your own podcast might be the intermediate one, whereas the other one is the yeah. beginner's one. Yeah. Because it kind of assumes you know some of the things that the other article is spelling out for people who have no experience and don't know these things yet. This one kind of assumes you have some experience. And the thing that I liked about you know it showing specific gear uh, is that... It shows you what the gear costs right there. So you can yeah. look at this and go, is this in my budget or not? You know, If it is, you can yeah. buy it on Amazon right there with the link. If it's not, you can start researching other options. So that was kind of interesting. I've seen a lot of these where they say, well, you use this and this and this, and that's what I'm using. And there's no indication of like cost or anything like that. So this one does yeah. tell you the cost of it. So if, you're, if you've already gone through the previous article, you've been podcasting for a little while, and you've decided it's time to up your gear to something better – this at least gives you some pretty clear options to consider. And I love that the prices are in there. Yeah, it yeah. is helpful. So I thought that was pretty good. All right. Well, our very last item for this time around is called the Pod 11, the most influential entities in podcasting. This is by Rob Walsh, speaking of Libsyn, on his podcast 411 site. And, and immediately I think back to the other infamous list. You know, yeah, that everyone was responding to. Do you think this is in response to that? Well, it's in response to that, and I think Rob approached this from a couple of perspectives. The first one was, yes, there was that you know twenty-two most influential podcast people from uh, Collision Media, which then had a response about the uh, top twenty-two women in podcasting, right? Which we talked about. Which we talked about, and. Rob definitely was inspired by those to write this. I wonder how his... many people were inspired. How many people looked at that first one before it was taken down and went, oh, no, 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 here's the right way, and like well, did their own, you know? Yeah, and he even says here, uh, rather than look at individuals, I wanted to look at teams and entities that are really the most influential in all of podcasting. 
and uh, not the very small niche that is NY City Pro Podcasting. And, so that's unique. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting take on it because certainly these teams are that he, he lists here are all important ones, and uh, most of them are not just strictly male or just strictly female. And um, I don't have any problem with this list at all. I think it's a, a fair list. It references stuff that is mm, somewhat relevant to maybe the you know to the what's the word I want like the corporate side of things. I mean, uh, Scripps is on here, SoundCloud is on here, uh, Podcast One slash uh, Ace is in Adam Carolla. And, uh, you know, he's got Overcast on here, which is Mark Orment's uh, podcast app. And, of course, uh, Libsyn. And, and uh, to give Rob some credit, he didn't even put Libsyn as number one. And I don't think that this is meant to be a I don't think it's sequential. List. Well, he says it's in no particular order. It says on there yeah. it's, it's no particular order. It's numbered so someone who does not read this intro can misreport on it, which I think is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> setting you up for those that do not read and just yell. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Right. I like that. That's thinking ahead there. Um, yeah, but so it, it is a list. But the list, the number attached to each of these uh, different uh, podcasting entities um, does not indicate value one over the other. It's just, here's a bunch, you know. Yeah, and he's even got a, a decent list here of honorable mentions. We're certainly not going to list all those. But, right, yeah. But uh, I, I liked Rob's list, and I, I guess I don't, I really don't have any problem with it. So Yeah, well, I like that, you know, he did this about, you know, different entities in podcasting instead of individuals, which a lot of the other ones were. The original yeah. one that got taken down was in individual influential people. This is influential groups or yeah. companies. And this is a good list. Again, um, you know, if you're new to podcasting and you're looking for, okay, what's some reliable companies? Th these are some good sources to look at. Yeah. All right, Jen, do you have anything else to add to this episode? No, I think we covered everything. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Podcaster News Show. You can find us online at podcasternews.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Shano, S-H-A-W-N-O, Jen. You can find me on Twitter at Queen of Haiku, all one word. It's a private account, so you have to request a follow. And if I can figure out that you're somebody that's listening to the show, of course, I'll allow that. Okay, thanks again for listening, and with any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Bye, people.